The eyes were hollow and the carven beard was broken, but about the high stern forehead there was a coronal of silver and gold. A trailing plant with flowers like small white stars had bound itself across the brows as if in reverence before the fallen king. Journey to the crossroads, the two towers. and Madeline, and welcome back to Interesting Tales from Tolkien, a Podmoot. I'm Mel. And I'm Kristen. And this week, we are covering The Two Towers, book four, chapter seven, Journey to the Crossroads. In which there is a lot more walking again. Sorry, y'all. It's going to be one of those weeks. (laughs) (sighs) So, Mel, are you ready for your challenge? I am. So as per last week's discussion, we have decided that I should get a full minute since I'm now essentially summarizing for the four books, the four parts of the first two books. So I've got a whole minute. Load me up. Okay, Mel, here's your challenge. I want to hear about the two Gollum sightings in the trees of Lorien and on the river. Okay. So Frodo inherits this evil ring from his uncle Bilbo and he has to go on a quest 17 years later. Him and his friends, who are his like cousins, go to Rivendell. On the way, Frodo is stabbed. They meet a guy called Stride. It's great. They make a fellowship and the fellowship then leaves Rivendell together. They go through Moria, losing Gandalf along the way. They then pass into Lothlorien where the elves of Lorien help them, but they realize they've been followed by Gollum, who they suspect might have been following them in Moria too. After leaving Lorien, they go down the river where Gollum is still following them. The fellowship breaks. Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli go into Rohan after Merry and Pippin and go into war before reuniting with Merry and Pippin. Frodo and Sam are now traveling along the eastern bank. They've gone down through the marshes and they've met Faramir, the brother of Boromir, who has helped them out along the way. Oh, and they've teamed up with Gollum now because that was a smart decision, I suppose. And I have like 10 seconds to go. Maybe a minute's too long. Like, I think I did fairly well just there. So next time, just spend a little more time in Edoras and you'll be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all like Edoras. All right, Kristen, your turn to tell us what has happened this week. The hobbits breakfast with Faramir, who gives them food, walking staves, and warns them not to drink Morgul water. Gollum and the hobbits are blindfolded and walk in the shadows south and east. They climb steadily in the road from the moon tower, hearing a strange thunder of earth moving, and Gollum is not happy. Time is short as they skirt across the crossroads. As the sun sets beyond Gondor, it shines on the statue, destroyed, broken, and graffitied, giving the king a crown once more. Good work. Right on time. So Mel, we don't have any new characters this week, so let's jump right into the walking. Into the walking. (laughs) Well, it at least starts with one more interaction with Faramir. He wakes Frodo and Sam up and advises that he has given them some provisions in their bags and that it'll be okay for them to drink the water in Athelion but to make sure they don't drink from any stream that flows from Imlad Morgul, the Valley of Living Death. And you know Sam is happy to have some real food so they don't have to just eat Lembus. Faramir also gives them 
these polished wood staves shod with iron with carven heads through which ran plaited leather thongs. And I was just like, you know, that is one heck of an extra walking stick there. Well, Faramir just doesn't think that it's good enough. He says, I have no fitting gifts to give you at our parting, but take these staves and hope that they're of service. And he explains that the men of the White Mountain use them. But he has had these ones cut down to be hobbit height. And Frodo says, you know, Elrond told me I would find strange friendships along the way. And sure enough, here is one. Which is adorable and sweet. And Gollum is brought out. Gollum is not happy at all. And at first, Faramir just wants to blindfold him. And Frodo is always so kind-hearted towards Gollum. And he says, no, just blindfold all of us. It'll be way easier that way. I won't have to put up with any garbage from Gollum. Gollum is still not happy, though. I wrote in my margin, taking leaves from Aragorn's book, like they did in Lorien, where it was, Gimli was going to have to be blindfolded. And Aragorn said, just blindfold us all. And Faramir walks them to the edge of the forest and embraces them and kisses their foreheads. So cute. Forehead kisses are the cutest. And the hobbits bow to them and then they part ways. Go with the goodwill of all good men, he said. And so starts the walking. But at least it starts with this interaction between Frodo and Gollum that I love. And Gollum's talking smack about the men of Gondor. Nasty, wicked men. Smeagol's neck still hurts him. Yes, it does. Let's go. And Frodo's like, if you can only speak ill of those who showed you mercy, keep silent. And Gollum's response is, nice, Master. Smeagol was only joking. Always forgives, he does. Yes, yes, even Master's little trickses. Oh, yes, nice, Master, nice, Smeagol. Oh, yeah, just rub it in. Yeah, master's trickses. Master's trickses. Don't let him forget. And I love that we're also back to Petty Sam. Petty Sam is the best Sam. But you got to admit, they got human food, but they didn't get any golem food. He still has to lead them, and he still has to go huntsies. So I, I can understand Petty Gollum just a bit. I really like this passage here. It says that the sun rose and passed overhead unseen and began to sink. And the light through the trees to the west grew golden, and always they walked in cool green shadow, and all about them was silence. The birds seemed all to have flown away or to have fallen dumb. I can feel it, like this golden sunlight coming through after the oppressive darkness, but it's just eerily quiet. And it talks about, throughout this chapter, all the different varieties of darkness. The sun doesn't come up properly. There's this haze in the air all the time. And here... Darkness came early to the silent woods. Even before the fall of night, they're tired. And I love this here. It says they've walked seven leagues or more from Heneth Anun. And that was a question I had in a previous chapter. So that is the entrance to the window on the world, even though it's not marked that way on the map. Window of the West. Sorry, window of the West. (laughs) So they rest just a little bit until Gollum wakes them up because they've got to keep moving. It's super dangerous right now. Yep, and they walk, and they walk some more. Frodo asks if Gollum knows where they are, and Gollum's response is, yes, master, dangerous places, (laughs) and then explains that they're on the road to the Tower of the Moon, which is, of course, now Minas Morgul. 
And I loved all the various descriptions throughout the chapter of Gollum really being scared, genuinely afraid, and hiding in the shadows and darting through even open places between trees. And he's really taking good care of them, but also because he is really frightened. And Gollum also now explains that it's no good hiding in the dark. It's in day that hobbits must hide now. Yes, in day. So Sam is royally peeved by this because it means they don't get a nap right away, that they have to keep going. And he says, we must rest for a bit, even if we get up again in the middle of the night. There'll still be hours of dark then, time enough for you to take us a long march, if you know the way. They're switching from walking in the day to walking at night. So they stop for just a little bit. Frodo and Sam have a little bit to drink and some food, and Gollum curls up and goes to sleep. But he wakes them up again right after midnight. And he wakes them up and he says, Are we rested? Have we had beautiful sleep? Let's go. And Sam's response is, We aren't and we haven't, but we'll go if we must. And off they go again, walking, with Gollum leading, and we get these descriptions of how the landscape around them is changing, the ground became more broken and walking was more difficult, but Gollum seemed in no way troubled. He led them through thickets and wastes of brambles, sometimes around the lip of a deep cleft or a dark pit. And it turns out they're climbing steadily, even if they go down slightly at first, the next jog of the journey takes them back up. And they start to see thorns and bracken amidst the scars of recent fires. And the night begins to fade and Gollum advises that it'll be day soon and they must hurry because it's not safe to stay out in the open. And so they all hurry off and find somewhere to lay and it says, but no day came, only a dead brown twilight. In the east, there was a dull red glare under the lowering cloud and it explains that it's not the red of dawn. You can just feel this darkness growing the closer and closer they get again to Mordor. So as the red glare then faints, the twilight deepens, and Frodo and Sam sit down to eat again, and Gollum goes off to hunt. And while he's away, Sam takes a little nap, and he has a dream that's so cute about being back in the Shire and wanting his pipe. And he startles awake, and he's upset at first that Frodo hadn't wakened him in time. But it turns out he's only been asleep for like three hours, and it's the sound of darkness and rumbling like thunder that's woken him up. Sam says, what's the time? Seems to be getting late. And Frodo's response is, no, it isn't. But the day is getting darker instead of lighter, darker and darker, as far as I can tell. It isn't midday yet. Sam wonders if there is a storm coming. And I like that because maybe not a storm of the weather, but we know a storm is coming. Everything's building up in the story. Well, and I like that there are sounds that they can't identify, just like all the light looks different. The colors are different. Everything is completely foreign to them. And they still can't find Gollum as they hear the rolling and rumbling noise again. And Frodo says, I think we are in for trouble anyhow. I'm afraid our journey is drawing to an end. And Sam, always the optimist, says, maybe, but where there's life, there's hope. As Mike Gaffrey used to say, and need of vittles, as he most ways used to add, you have a bite, Mr. Frodo, and then a bit of sleep. The afternoon wears on. 
with Sam on watch and he's looking out this world and Frodo is just sleeping and it says slept unquietly, tossing and turning. And eventually Gollum comes back and wakes them up again. He's saying there's no time to lose and they must keep moving. And Sam's suddenly a little suspicious. He goes, go now. What's your little game? It isn't time yet. It can't be tea time. Even leastways not in decent places where there is a tea time. (laughs) And Gollum's response is, we're not in decent places. (laughs) Yeah, fair point. And since he can't get through to Sam, he just starts clawing at Frodo. And Frodo, poor Frodo, he was dead asleep. And he startles up and grabs Gollum. And Gollum tears himself away and says, they mustn't be silly. We must go. No time to lose. And off again they are walking until they finally reach the crossroads. I did think it was interesting that they asked Gollum where he had been. And every other time he was like, yeah, I was hunting or I was fishing or whatever. And he won't say now. Hmm. Hmm. It's a piece of plot. (laughs) I don't know what you want from me. Maybe maybe he's just really in a hurry. No time to talk. Well, in any case, they do finally get to the crossroads on the last page of the chapter. And Gollum tells them which way they're meant to go now. He explains it's the only way. No path beyond the road, no path. We must go to the crossroads, but make haste and be silent. And they come and they stand there. And Frodo is filled with dread. He looks around and you see the road running to Eskilioth, down into the west, beyond Sad Gondor, now overwhelmed in shadow, and the last of the sun is sinking. And as they're staying there with this sunlight, it manages to push through and falls upon this statue. And it was once one of the kings, like the stone kings of Argonath. And it says, Years had gnawed it, and violent hands had maimed it. Its head was gone and its place was set in mockery around rough-hewn stone, rudely painted with savage hands, in the likeness of a grinning face, with one large red eye in the midst of its forehead. We have these scrawls across it as well. It says, Idle scrawls mixed with the foul symbols that the maggot folk of Mordor used. And can I just say, that is a slur against the industrial nation of Mordor. There you go, John. That's for you. It is very apt though because they are literally eating the life away from the land everywhere we have been in Mordor the description is of fires burned and crispy vegetation and gouges out of the earth I did love this description of the crossroads and what had once clearly been a statue of victory that's got graffiti even The industrial nation of Mordor is subject (laughs) to spray paint across the bridges. But as they're standing there, the beams catch the head of this statue. And it says it was lying rolled away by the roadside. Calls out to Sam and says, look, the king has a crown again. And there's a trail of plants and flowers that are then illuminated by the sun, creating a crown on the king. And Frodo says they cannot conquer forever. And it's just what they need, that brief glimpse of nature trying to reclaim and meeting the light of the sun. I love this. I loved this so much. This brief glimpse of hope 
that really they could have been devastated walking across this desolation, but they keep looking for reasons to hope. And yet again, they found one. It's very quickly finished. It says the sun dipped and vanished. And as if at the shuddering of a lamp, black night fell. And that's another really good end to a chapter. Tolkien is just so brilliant, as I've said before, with just finishing off his chapters. So much suspense, too, because now we're like, all right, well, we've gotten away from the crossroads. Now what? So, Mel, did anything major happen? Do we need to give a shout out this chapter? I I feel like we're committed to doing it because we've done it for every single chapter to date. So I'm going to give it to Sam because Sam always deserves it. I'm going to give it to the stave craftsman who made those beautiful presents that Faramir gave and an honorable mention to the kitchen staff of the window on the West who packed those rucksacks for the hobbits. I cannot bear giving a shout out to Gollum. I'm sorry. I just cannot do it. That is more than fair. You are not obligated to ever give one to Gollum. Kristen, are you ready for prediction versus fiction? Dun, 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 dun. They go to the crossroads between Minas Tirith and Minas Morgul. They do. They do. The road will get more dangerous. Yep. Well, they didn't run into anything this week. Well, but Gollum has been very clear about being creeped out. So I do think the road's very dangerous, even if they haven't actually met any dangers. There will be more walking. Uh-huh. <laughs> Gollum has lost his trust for Frodo. You know, I wonder. He says he forgives even Master's little trickses. But I think Gollum is still motivated by the ring. Gollum will make a play for the ring at Carathungle. Well, we're not to Carathungle yet. They'll be able to see the armies of men marshalling. No, not really. And then you made some predictions about Return of the King. You said that this book will finish before they get to Gorgoroth, which is the Plains of Mordor. Well, we'll see. So next week's chapter is called The Stairs of Kirathongol. Well, let's see. I think we're going to climb the stairs to the Pass of Kirathongol. <laughs> <laughs> going to climb stairs to the Pass of Kirathongol. And like I said last week, I think this is where Gollum makes a play. This chapter, do you think? I don't know. I've been predicting it the whole damn book. So I wonder if we're not going to have another flyover or... By the Nazgul? Yeah, from the Nazgul. Or I just I just wonder if we're not going to have a distant sighting of some sort of forces of evil, whether it's a Nazgul flyover or they're going to be on the path and they're going to look down and see something. I think Gollum was lying when he said that he had forgiven Master his Trixies. And I think being that close to the ring is going to overcome him. And yeah, I think this is it. I think this is where we make play for the ring. So I've got going to climb the stairs to the pass of Kirathongal. Gollum will make a play for the ring this chapter. Fly over by Nazgul slash sighting of evil forces. Gollum has not forgiven Frodo. Anything else you'd like to predict? I wonder if part of this confrontation is going to start with Sam. With Petty Sam and Petty Gollum going at it. And Frodo's going to try to intervene. And that's what's going to push Gollum over the edge. So you think Frodo will step in and defend Sam? Hmm. Let me look at the map just in case. 
Well, there's not any more information on the map. I mean, the name of the pass isn't even on the map. Okay, I think the series of events is walking, moaning and groaning by Sam, sighting of some force of evil, some sort of danger. Sam and Gollum disagree about what to do about the force of evil. Frodo steps in and that pushes Gollum over the edge. And he thinks that Frodo is not being a good master of the ring and that he needs to be the master again. That's the order of what I think happens. Trying to hold down. And then going with all your other predictions, Frodo puts on the ring to escape. Yes. I also wonder if the thing that we see, the evil, dark, whatever that we see, isn't tied to the sound of thunder. That it's some sort of war machine or something that shakes the ground. I just had a question regarding your order of events and this confrontation. Do we just escape Gollum? Do we kill Gollum? What happens? I don't think we kill Gollum. I think if Gollum dies, it's some sort of accident. Like he falls off a cliff or he gets burned somehow. I don't know. I I cannot imagine Frodo or Sam having the strength to kill Gollum. So they just run away. If it is not an accident, if Gollum dies, some other much more powerful character has to kill him. The elves have already proven they won't. Aragorn won't. So it would have to be like one of the men we just left or something else if Gollum dies. I don't know. I don't I don't think Gollum dies in this book. I think they get away from Gollum, but somehow he's still able to track them. I don't think they permanently get away from him. Okay. Any further predictions, Kristen? I want to start reading, so no. Homework for next week, The Stairs of Kirathongal. Thanks for joining us. If you want to find us on social media, we are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Podmoot. Our email address is podmoot at gmail.com and our website is podmoot.com. If you'd like to contact me personally, I'm at Mel Bickett on Twitter and Instagram. Kristen, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Kristen Conducts. Norvera Mellon, until we meet again. Bye, y'all. Thank you.